0: And ladies and gentlemen, today is my last day producing the Santa Fe Radio Cafe here on KSFR and I would like to say it's been 13, almost 13 marvelous years and it has been really a privilege and a joy to be in this position, in this seat for so many years in the Santa Fe Baking Company and and now sort of going on location in different places that I've been over the last couple of months since the Santa Fe Baking Company closed And so, what we're going to do today is have some people back who have been frequent guests on the show, check in with them, see what they're doing. And I just want to say to the community, thank you so much for your support. And I would like now to welcome back to the Radio Café, Mariel Nanasi. She is Executive Director of New Energy Economy. Welcome. Thank you. So what's happening at New Energy Economy? Last time we checked in with you, you were deeply involved in PNM and the PRC, the Public Regulatory Commission, and basically exposing corruption and trying to keep New Mexico safe for clean energy? What's going on right
1: now? I will answer you. But before I answer you, I have to say a couple of things. One is I, um, I know that speaking on behalf of the community, that one of the things is, is that how much we appreciate you, I really feel like you've been a community asset. And particularly because not only do you go from dogs to opera, to, (laughs) to energy, but also that the people who you interview. um, You probably are the most well-read person in the entire town, um, if anybody has ever seen Mary Charlotte's library. But the people that you interview really feel like you've done your homework, like you care, um, and that you have the ability, I think a unique ability, to really bring out the best in what they want to communicate to our community. So I just first need to thank you um, on behalf of the public and myself and New Energy Economy and and um, my colleagues.
0: Well, thank you for your kind words, but let's hear about you.
1: Okay, well, it's about New Energy Economy and what's up right now, and that is... Um, the rate case. Um, we just finished the second hearing there, and the three main main aspects that we are opposing there are of, I believe, great import to um, our community because what this case, uh, what PNM is trying to do in this case, is they're doubling down on more coal and more nuclear. I know that some of you think, "God, are you kidding me?" I know, and it's it's it is crazy. So I'll just very quickly say that they are asking for a 580 million dollar coal contract that would bind ratepayers for the next 15 years so it's not only the outrage of the escalating costs of coal but it's that they're tying us to 15 years more of it and that's dangerous because it's it's what's called a take or pay coal contract and that means if we take the coal we have to pay and even if we don't take the coal and if PNM wisens up, um, or the PRC regulates them and says, "Hey, this is crazy," when there's so many um, alternatives that are cheaper and better for the environment, obviously better for our climate, and also better for jobs, um, then we'll still have to pay. And so that seems like a really crazy, um, a crazy aspect of this of this rate case. The other big thing is more nuclear so p n m has just purchased more nuclear um, and one of the things that we had a second hearing some of you have seen in the paper recently we just had a second hearing, and there was a stunning upset and that was that the p r c staff was the only witness left who who um, agreed with p and m to allow this nuclear in and at the price that they wanted and literally in a perry Mason moment the the PRC staff said, I just can't I just can't do this. I cannot accept the testimony as I've heard it um over these last three days and that was that P and M not only they they told everybody that the nuclear was gonna cost one hundred and sixty three million dollars, but they left out an important fact and that was that it was didn't include what's called capital expenditures and capital expenditures are improvements that that um are required whether it's for pollution controls or big assets that when things break and um the the actual price tag jumped up from instead of just 163 million which they had which that all the parties understood that that's what that was, but it went up to two hundred seventeen million, and it was sort of like the last the straw that broke the camel's back, and it was and it was the last moment, and um, so they lost all their support for that, and so we're saying, and and in both of these, um, in both of these um, purchases, P and M did no financial analysis, and so you know, as we grow up, um, we hopefully have developed a sense of discernment. And when we make choices, um, we evaluate whatever choice we make against something else. So to come here and speak on your radio, I had to give up working on my brief. But um, because I love you, Mary Charlotte, and you've been so amazing to our community, I felt like that it was an honor. And so that this would actually rejuvenate me. And, um, and I've feel a sense of responsibility to you as well as to continue to write my brief. So I came here and but it was a choice. I mean it's a choice. Like we make every choice. But basically when I bought my house, I did more comparison shopping than P and M did in either of these two situations. And so um, we are saying that they did not comply with the law, which requires them to do comparative pricing. And so we are asking that the PRC apply the law and um, deny M their request for more coal and nuclear when solar and wind um, could uh, produce more jobs, and I, I actually believe that if New Mexico got on a path of real renewable energy, um, that uh, we could be not only an energy renewable energy producer but a renewable energy exporter.
0: Marielle Nanassi is Executive Director of New Energy Economy, and I want to just thank you for all the work that you have done in our community to bring these issues to light and to bring them in front of the courts, which is tough work. And you're a fighter and a great community activist. Marielle, thank you so much for being with us on the Radio Cafe. My honor. And newenergyeconomy.org, ladies and gentlemen. And Ben Swan joins us now. He is with the Santa Fe Animal Shelter and Humane Society, also one of the most frequent guests on the radio cafe. So great to have you back.
2: Thank you, Mary Charlotte. And you are such an animal lover, so that's the only reason I'm here, (laughs) because I love animals. (laughs) You know, you've been such a... a Such a treasure to the community, and not just to the community, but for all the animals, those people, those animals that have no voices. And we really want to thank you for that, for being able to tell people about animals that are there, pets, and all kinds of things that, that, uh, how important animals are in our lives. And if it wasn't for you, I think people wouldn't really connect, make that connection. And that's why we at the Santa Fe Animal Shelter really thank you for all you've done. Thank you. For the animal community and the community at large. My
0: animals have a voice.
2: They do. I know. <laughs> you channel them <laughs> almost every day on the radio station, which is one reason I always tune in. So <laughs> I'm going to miss that.
0: They have a lot to say.
2: Yeah. Maybe and you south. and I can just go ahead and do our own show that we can just talk about animals.
0: You know, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the whole world. I think animals teach us priorities and certainly dogs like my dogs do it. I think people have similar experiences with cats and horses and other animals, but with dogs... The priorities in life are food, love and snuggles, walk in the park,
2: exercise, and other dogs. Yes, of course, and socialization. Yeah, I think really, truly, that animals teach us unconditional love. I yeah. mean, and that really shows to us that we also can love. I mean, a lot of people who are broken or hurt and, and cannot love or will not love, I think that they should get a dog, because <laughs> they will they will understand just how beautiful that that relationship can be.
0: So, you have some things going on down at the animal shelter. We right? have
2: a lot of things going on, as always. As always. <laughs> and I wish everybody, people, people could come visit. But on they Saturday... You can come visit. Yeah. All, more people come visit. So. Yeah. <laughs> and we're open, uh, by the way, 9 to 6 every day. Uh, so, that gives a lot of time. We, we say it's uh, more time for love. But this Saturday, we'll be at, um, we're having a special event with Back Road Pizza called uh pints for pups and it's one to five uh at back road and what they do is a uh, ballast point brewery they um Basically, just uh, when every Ballast Point Brewery type of beer that you buy, the proceeds go to the shelter. So it's a way to toast your pup and to help the shelter. So it'll, the patio will be open. We had this in March, and it was so popular. it was People had to turn away because it was the lines were so long.
0: Oh, my goodness. Yeah,
2: Ballast Point gives out all kinds of different swag, and uh, there'd be merchandise. And it's just a fun event. And we'll also have a mobile adoption event there.
0: Now, beer and pizza... Go together. (laughs) They do pizzas (laughs) and (laughs) pints and pups. Beer and pizza. Yeah, of course. And uh, a wonderful way to, I mean, drink beer for the animal shelter. What could be? What could be easier?
2: Exactly, and then you can walk home because it's right there in in town. So, and also through the month of through this month and, and through August 5th we have a, a, a campaign going on called uh, we are calling it Connection uh, Celebrating Connection it's really trying to like we talked before celebrating that connection that we have with animals and this is really a crowd rise campaign and then we're doing it online but uh, sculptor Don Canel I'm sure you've had him on Yeah, travel. yeah he's he the did blue gorilla the, fame exactly yeah. in the green coyote that's a a meow wolf he's building a sculpture for us at the rail yard and so for every certain amount of uh, money that we raise he'll add another element another animal to that sculpture and that's right at the rail yard between REI and Violet Crown it's a beautiful uh, sculpture and he's calling it shelter it really is to there'll be animals in these spaces and there'll be empty spaces so you can actually it's really interactive and then people can uh, sort of sense uh, how important animals are to the community and maybe envision your own animal in that Space as well. So uh, I hope people will, will visit that and, and join our CrowdRise campaign to support all homeless animals in, the, in our community.
0: Ben Swan, I want to thank you and thank the Santa Fe Animal Shelter for all you have done and are continuing to do for this community. And I think that this animal shelter is kind of a, a role model for all other animal shelters, what they could be. I mean, of course, we're a very well-funded city. We're a city full of people, who have money, who have animals, who are willing to support that. Not all little, not every little town has the ability to do what you do, but the humanity and intelligence and joy with which you guys do the work is just beautiful thing to behold. So thank thank you. you.
2: Thank you, Mary Charlotte. You know, I just want to just add that we started from humble uh, origins and and we we are so humble in a lot of ways. We have been able to do a lot because of our, our community support and really, really appreciate that. And we hope to be a model for other animal shelters throughout the nation. And we try to help out as much as we can, just like you have. And we've been blessed to have you in our community, Mary Charlotte.
0: Thank you so much, Ben Swan from the Santa Fe Animal Shelter and Humane Society SF Humane Society.org.
2: Very good. <laughs> After so many years, though, you always <laughs> got it right. Finally Thank got it memorized.
0: Thank you, Ben. And I'd like now to welcome perhaps one of the most frequent guests ever on the radio cafe, Desiree Mays. <laughs> Hi, Marisha. Hi. Desiree Mays opera expert. And uh I think it's it's somehow sort of sweetly fitting that this is my last day on KSFR, and this is your last year at the Santa Fe Opera, it is. Writing Opera Unveiled. Uh,
3: well, that's not clear yet, but uh, certainly I won't be lecturing uh, every night. This is my final summer, 38 nights at the opera for 20 years, Mary Charlotte. Wow. It's been uh, an amazingly long time. But, you know, life goes on, and um, it'd be nice to have summers free. I'll still be involved with the opera, of course. It's a fabulous opera company. And I'm still lecturing uh, for people like the Metropolitan Opera and places like that, that That's fine. But we're not here to talk about me. We're here to talk about you. No, we
0: are here to talk about you, because because you're the guest on the show. And I just want to congratulate you for all of those years at the opera and the incredible service that you do to the arts in this community. And you think you might write uh, one, one or two more summer's seasons of Opera Unveiled?
3: We'll see. I mean, if I'm going to write next year's book, I need to be doing it now. We're doing an opera on Steve Jobs, and uh, that means getting to the you know the composer and the librettist at this early stage. Since I'll have to write again about an opera, I won't have heard one note of the music, and there will be some electronic music in next year's opera. That's fantastic. From my point of view, you know, Verdi and Puccini Wagner wrote great operas. Why mess with the time periods? They're perfect as they were written. So the, the trend has been in the recent past is to up update uh, update the time period, so put them in another time frame. For instance, Romeo and Juliet is set in Verona in the Middle Ages, right? And um, this summer, the opera will be setting it in the, the Southern uh, States during the Civil War. Now, if when I, I
0: love that.
3: Well, when I heard that, I thought, oh, I don't know. But then the director made a very good point. He said, you know, sectarian violence is with us as much now as it was between the Capulets and the Montagues. But it was interesting when I talked to the fight director, I said, well, how are you going to deal with the sword fight with um, Romeo and Tybalt at the beginning of Romeo and Juliet because they won't use rapiers if they're from the Civil War? And he said, oh, we're working with a special kind of saber they'd have used in that war so the fight will be with. Sabers between the two men instead nice. of the traditional swords, so that that's okay. But I think ideally, if we're in the twenty-first century, let's write twenty-first-century operas. Let's write music um, with themes and, and subjects that that people today like. Rather than going back to Madame Butterfly and making her a contemporary, though, I'm sure there are contemporary butterflies out there. Of course, yeah. why not? Um, but but let's write new operas, which is happening, and people are going. They used to they used to think, oh, it's all going to be dissonant. I won't like it it's atonal it's not a, dissonant anymore it could be a bit atonal but the the style has changed somewhat um, but you can still come out singing the tunes if you get to know it <laughs> sometimes give it a chance yes right. yeah yeah you're right so, so yeah it's a changing out form but you know life goes on I see life in, in chapters my first chapter was was uh, in London, uh, Ireland and London, where I was a dancer, as you know, and then got carried off by this American Texan, which to me wasn't even an American, (laughs) the way I was introduced to to that family, and to Salt Lake City, which was a leap from London. Um, And then that second chapter of my life was an incredible life with him and two incredible sons who are now grown in Salt Lake City, um, which ended abruptly in washington d c when he he died, um, and then I came here, the third chapter of my life. Um, and now I'm wondering where the fourth is it's going to be based here I promise you is that true for you too? You're staying I hope I mean
0: dog <laughs> willing I am staying in Santa Fe. Yeah I don't want to leave love Santa this place. Fe. Yeah
3: I do too I love this place I don't want to go and it's great to get out from time to time. Yeah. I think one needs to do that wherever you are. That was especially true in Salt Lake City where it was a sort of a confined community bounded by the mountains and one mentality which I loved I mean it's a fabulous place to raise kids in Salt Lake City with the more and culture. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's great. Um, but you need out. And it's great to get out here sometimes. And my work does that. I lecture and I take people to opera all over the world. I'm just back from, from a week in Leipzig went to Wagner's Ring I didn't have to work. I just went to the operas every day and it was bliss. It was such... You're going to have some of that now. You're going to have a little downtime and some time to enjoy.
0: Yeah, and I'm going to continue producing radio and podcasts and all kinds of things.
3: Yeah, no, I think it'll be fascinating to see. It's exciting. I love being... It's always a little... I see it like as if one's getting rid of a car. You get... I I always fall in love with my cars and when it's time for them to go, it's heartbreaking. (laughs) It's really hard and then you get a new car and, you know, A week later, yeah, you're into the new car. I
0: thought of it when I, I, before I moved to Santa Fe years ago, I lived in Boston. And what I found was there was always a cycle where I had either, every sort of three to five years, I had either a new job, a new apartment, Hmm. or a new partner. Wow. I mean, it was always, there was always some kind of change. And then here, those things have really, all those things have really stabilized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the one hand, that's a beautiful thing to find your place and find your person and find your life's work. Mm -hmm. But still within that, yeah we all need to change and start a new cycle,
3: yeah, all the time, so I'm dying to see what's gonna to happen to you next. So tell me what happened in the beginning. I know you went to St. John's College. How did you get from St. John's into public radio? What was it about radio that was appealing for you?
0: I've always been in love with public radio, honestly, I was listening to it since I was a kid. well, first top forty radio and then and then eventually public radio and um I don't know, it's my people. it's my Mm. it's the way that I think it's the way that I feel the exchange of ideas and music and community and all that kind of stuff and St. John's is a place where you learn to think and speak and ask questions and listen Mm. and to go to really the roots of what's underneath the manifestation of society that we see but like what are the big ideas and big events underlying all of that so that is a great foundation certainly for interviewing
3: but you've also developed the skills of finding the right people to get beyond the small talk and yes i'm doing an art show next week and the opening is next friday um to 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 find the people who can open up and discuss. I mean, you've developed this incredible ability to do that. Was that, um, that must have been very exciting to to develop that skill of first identify working with and, and then communicating with these people.
0: It seems sort of intuitive to me. There are maybe some principles of discernment, like what kind of stuff you do and don't want yes, to have on yes. the show? Like I have, I had a few guidelines over the years, but it's mostly does that spark some interest in my heart? You know? Yes, yes. Pretty, and
3: if it does in yours, it does in your listeners. Exactly. Which is great. So, so give me a couple of examples of uh, maybe a, a off the top of your heads, a, a great a great person and a great interview, and then one that maybe bombed entirely. <laughs> um,
0: well, some listeners who've been listening for a long time might remember an interview with a novelist who started attacking me during the interview. Mm. I can't remember when that was. It was quite a long time ago, I think 2006. And she was very arrogant. She said, Mary Charlotte, you're not very well read, are you? Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) That was the worst. (laughs) Right, right. The best I cannot (laughs) identify one person jack leffler is going to be here in a little while he's always fantastic but i think that there there have been some very famous people who've been on this show but just as interesting are the people who maybe aren't well known at all but they are just wonderful Mm. thinkers and they're present with you in the conversation Mm. Desiree Mays it's just about time to wrap up because I've got lots of people coming in and out today so I want to thank you so much for everything that you've done here on the Radio Cafe and on KSFR
3: well I'm not going to let you pull the plug until I say thank you Mary Charlotte on behalf of the entire community it's been an incredible 13 years listening to you we'll miss you and we'll all need to know where you're going to be next so we can listen some more
0: and I'm sorry to be cryptic about that but I've got some things in the works and we'll announce them when the time
3: comes yeah when the time comes (laughs) okay (laughs) Take care. Bye.
0: And now who has arrived here but Jonathan Richards, a wonderful pillar of the arts community here in Santa Fe. He's an actor, playwright, author, artist, man about town and mainstay yeah. of the theater community and and so do so much for this community. Thank you so much for being with us here on the last day of the Santa Fe Radio Café.
4: Well, you're so good at uh, at those those encomia, these words of praise, that it's a sort of a bittersweet feeling to know that it's the last time, at least here, that I will be hearing them, <laughs> or any of us will.
0: Well, you know, life... Life goes on, and who knows what will happen next.
4: Well, your life is certainly going to be going on and, uh, and just going on to bigger and better things, but it'll be a, uh, a real sad moment for the theater community as a whole, which uh, I, I don't presume to speak for, but I know that uh, whenever a, a local uh, theatrical production is uh, approaching uh, going, on, uh, going on the boards, what the the, uh, the sort of nirvana, the hope of uh, promoting it and of just having a good time for everybody concerned is, you know. Let's see if we can get on Mary Charlotte. Now, I know that sounds a little, you know, uh, you know perhaps a little abrupt, but uh, but the idea of not only being able to get the, the word out over the airwaves, but, but talking to somebody who understands what we're doing, who has almost always read the material, who's prepared, who has intelligent questions, and uh, who's just a warm presence to be around. That's what we're going to miss.
0: Well, thank you very much, Jonathan, and I will certainly miss the arts community and the theater community although you know nobody's going anywhere we're all we're all going to be here doing our thing and and uh i have to say it's been a real pleasure for me getting to know i've never seen so much theater as i've seen in santa fe and of course the range of theater in santa fe is from A to Z in terms of what kinds of selections we have sometimes the the quality varies the quality of theater has gotten a lot better I think over the last 10 years Yes
4: it has I agree with you I think uh you know when I first started doing theater here back in another millennium now uh uh You used to sort of more or less figure in a production here that if you had a cast of six people, you'd have two people who really belonged up there and were pretty good. You'd have two people sort of in the middle of the pack who weren't terrific, but, uh, you know, they could hold their own on a stage. And then two people who you figure the audience must have thought just walked in through the back door and and came out on the stage. Uh, And these days, it's not that way. There's currently... uh, production of uh, Driving Miss Daisy out of Teatro Paraguas which has three top-flight professional actors in it. Uh, really good. Uh, and uh, I think we've seen the same thing with the Adobe Rose Theater. Uh, and uh, there's good stuff that goes on at the Santa Fe Playhouse. Uh, in, uh, in Theater th- work. Theater work. Uh, yeah, th- there's always something good. And even in a production which might have uh, some shortcomings, there's almost always something good to be gotten from it.
0: And what has been so much fun is to have those conversations about what the themes are of each play and what the directors and actors are driving at and what's driving them.
4: Yes, uh, it, it, and that can be a tricky thing to try to figure out. There are some plays that actually don't seem to have themes, but, uh, but they have uh, subjects, you know, that's... Uh, uh, I mean, in the case of Daisy, of Driving Miss Daisy, certainly uh, age and survival is uh, I- is a major theme. And in uh, the next play that uh, the New Mexico Actors Lab has coming up, Art, uh, it's it's really all about what's real and what's phony in contemporary culture, uh, which is you know an endlessly fascinating thing and subject to any number of different interpretations.
0: Very interesting. Yeah, that's a a whole new world. Um, Benny Benedetti.
4: Right. Yeah, Benny Benedetti, who is a uh, veteran of uh, television movies and a veteran of teaching at Yale, at CalArts, uh, head of uh, theater programs, and got his start in Second City in one of the very first, very early companies of Second City. And he's brought a real professionalism uh, but he's not the only one. There are other people who are uh, also very good, who are who are doing good stuff now, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how it continues. A, you know, the uh, availability of venues has always been a really limiting factor for Santa Fe theater, and now with the uh, wonderful addition of the Adobe Rose Theater, which uh, has uh, uh, the McKenna's have. Uh, poured not only money but taste into that. Uh, That's a great addition and uh, uh, Teatro Paraguas which is out in that same area the uh, euphemistically named or originally euphemistically named Siler Arts District which turned out to have the acronym S.A.D. so they had to rethink (laughs) it uh, but it's out there near Meow Wolf, and uh, uh, a lot of people with uh, the Benedetti Company, New Mexico a- Actors Lab, are suddenly discovering Teatro Paragas, which has been there for years, and saying, oh, is this a brand new theater? So it's all you know, it's all happening, and it's uh, interestingly moving south, as the city is.
0: Right, uh, right.
4: As opposed to going south. <laughs>
0: well, there's that, too. Well, Jonathan Richards, I just want to thank you and all the people who have ever been on the Radio Café talking about the arts and and theater. Uh, I want to thank you so much for all these years of service to the community and all the times that you've graced KSFR's airwaves with your presence and... Oh. We'll miss you
4: well we're going to miss you too. It seems uh, in one way as if you've been here forever and in another way as if you just got here and so uh, we're going to you know I think when, when it's when you're having fun, it goes by fast, and so we'll we'll wish you best of luck in what you do next
0: and ladies and gentlemen, go to the theater, and i 'm delighted now to welcome Jack Leffler. He is an author, radio producer, oral historian. He's done many, many radio series, including a series that's going to be broadcast here on KSFR soon. Is that right?
5: It's currently being broadcast every Sunday afternoon at 4. Oh,
0: it's already it's already on. Excellent. And I have to say I wanted you to come on here on my last day doing the Santa Fe Radio Cafe because you have been such an inspiration and mentor to me. You have really shown me what radio producing from the heart and mind is all about. And one of the topics that I'm going to be pursuing is this whole topic of sustainable and regenerative agriculture here in the American West. And that's something that you've been doing for many years. And your work has really broken ground for people in the media, other people in the media, including me, who are really addressing these topics. So I want to thank you, Jack Leffler.
5: Well, thank you, Mary Charlotte. Boy, what a... Yeah. <laughs> who, who is that? No, <laughs> No, it's what you're doing, and what you're about to undertake to me is the most exciting thing anybody could possibly do, especially somebody in radio, because one of the things that is so cool about radio that both you and I know is that it it invigorates imagination. If you have the sound coming through, but without pictures, you create the pictures in your mind. And it creates a whole system of perspective that is otherwise impossible to achieve. And what you're doing, well, you're a fabulous radio producer. I've just listened to you forevermore. Very sad that you will no longer be on every morning. But at any rate, what you're about to do, I think... There's nothing that could be more important for somebody with your talents and skills to pursue.
0: Well, and this is this is what I haven't talked about it that much because it's still in a formative stage, but I am definitely going to be pursuing this whole set of questions around where do we have and what would it take to have more sustainable agriculture in the American West? And what are the challenges? And there's so many different challenges that people are facing from you know, soil, to rainwater, to aquifers, to cultural challenges, to policy challenges. And it's all of a piece. So it's a very interesting world in which we live in that we often don't think about because we just go somewhere and buy our food and bring it home. And as somebody who's been trying to grow spinach, (laughs) it's really, (laughs) this year, it's really hard. It's really hard to grow food.
5: Well, one of the things that, I learned quite a while ago, looking at a map, being a map freak that I am, is that the entire Intermountain West, which is framed by the Rocky Mountains on the east and the Sierra Cascade Range on the west, uh, has only three river systems, watersheds, that drain to the ocean. One is the Columbia Snake, draining the uh, Columbia Plateau, that goes into the Pacific. The Columbia River runs between Washington and Oregon. The second is the Colorado, which starts with the Green River and the San Juan River and the Escalante River and other tributarial inputs and drains down to the Sea of Cortez, or did. It has
0: it's been bled to death, essentially. Yes,
5: exactly, and the third is the Rio Grande, the smallest. The Rio Grande, as I recall, has about 1.5 million acre-feet a year yield the Colorado did have about an average of 14 million acre feet. And I don't know what it is, but I know that the Columbia River dwarfs the Colorado. And so when you think of the size of the human population base that the Colorado River watershed in particular serves, you see that in the Imperial Valley and those different agricultural zones along the southern Colorado River, that there's a huge impetus on the part of farmers to sell their water rights to the cities, but at what expense? Yeah. And one of the people who really addresses this brilliantly is my friend Gary Paul Nabhan, whom you've met and in interviewed. Yeah. Yes.
0: So all of this is to come in one form or another, whether it be podcast, broadcast, both, books. Who knows? But. Uh, I'll be letting people know. And by the way, I want to say, if you want to keep in touch, I, you can always reach me at org. In any case, Jack Leffler, I want to thank you so much for all that you've given to the world of radio and all that you've given to the Radio Cafe in particular. It's just been a pleasure having you on all these years.
5: Thank you, Mary Charlotte. This has been such a joy for me, and all I can say is I wish you the very, very best and Send you lots of love.
0: And same to you and same to all of our
5: listeners. Beautiful.
0: And I'd like now to welcome Jason Silverman. He's director of the Cinematheque at the CCA. He is a filmmaker and film curator, film guy, and wonderful guy all around. Has been on the Santa Fe Radio Cafe many, many times. Welcome.
6: I am kind of glad to be here. (laughs) I can say I'm honored to be here
0: it's great to have you here and we were talking earlier about how i started doing the santa fe radio cafe on september 1st 2003 and you started the cca october 1st 2003 yeah that's right and so it's been a long run and uh, both organizations the cca ksfr going through continual changes and evolutions in the course of their lives, and you really coming out as an artist in your own right, and it's been a beautiful thing to witness. Oh, thanks, thanks. I'm touched.
6: Yeah, it's and Jason,
0: ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know, is the filmmaker of the film Usman, which is about the father of African cinema, Usman Semben, and that screened here in Santa Fe and is still screening all over the world.
6: Yeah, all over the world that's yeah. amazing yeah it a lot of a lot of people have gotten a chance to see it so which has been great yeah well i just i you know it's hard to imagine the film community without you because you, you and you're a film lover i mean it, it seems like you're an everything lover <laughs> <laughs> um but i know you you always respond to to good films it's been what's been really wonderful is that when i see something that i love i can send it to you because i'm you know, our tastes sync up like 98% of the time.
0: 98%. And occupying the other 2% is Terrence Malick.
6: (laughs) (laughs) So I, and and I can say, look, this is a a little film from wherever that I adore. I think you're going to love it too. Let's get the filmmaker on and give a little extra attention. And you were always game to check something out. Yeah. That was, you know, and I know that the other curators and film festival directors, um in town had the same experience too so you know it was great that you were a lover of cinema and and um gave such amazing attention to all the films that come through here
0: well thank you and it, and it's i mean this is the beautiful synergy of doing radio doing media in a town where people are putting such extraordinary care into curating films you know, you, the Santa Fe Film Festival, the Santa Fe Independent Film Festival, big shout out to Jacques Paisner, the screen and Brent Cleaver, who for so many years has done an amazing job there. And that continues to evolve. And the Jean Cocteau, Jean Cocteau Cinema Cocteau, yep. and George R. R. Martin and all the great folks over at the Jean Cocteau. I mean, this is a small town and a huge film town, and it's just been amazing. To be able to work with you guys.
6: Yeah, well, it's a it's an ecosystem. Yeah. And uh, you know, you could show the same films in a different city the same size, and it wouldn't work. You know, we've developed a really film literate community in Santa Fe, people who really care about the art form and who are willing to take chances. And there is uh, independent media here that covers it and brings attention to it and you know it's this beautiful feedback loop yeah. so you know there's going to be an interrupt interruptance in the field now with you <laughs> with you leaving and and so we do have to recognize that too is you know what an important part that uh the radio cafe has played in the cultivation and nurturance of this really powerful film community i mean you know we'll play a little film like we're playing a tibetan film right now paths of the soul and um it's got some of the biggest numbers in America. Our little city of eighty thousand, and
0: uh, oh, you mean more? Pe- they're they're getting more audience here than, than in, in like y- New York know, or Boston. You know, New York,
6: yeah. New York had a big first week, but in, uh, it, you know, we've got one of the biggest. Growth. And and that's not unusual for for some little film without any media attention to catch on, and um, you know, and you've nurtured that, and uh, people pay attention to cinema is an art form here and uh yeah you know, it's a special thing.
0: Well there will there will be other hosts doing a show in this slot in the future. I'm not sure exactly how it's going to go, but you know, it'll be interesting to see other people stepping in because it's local media are so important and we've got a lot of local media here. We've got KSFR and we've got the reporter, we've got a I think a wonderful paper in the New Mexican. I love how people really like to trash their local paper. But I think the New Mexican and the reporter are terrific. And I think they've improved a lot in the last years. They've just got incredible editors and incredible writers. So...
6: Yeah. Well, when you think about, uh, you know, people forget how small this city actually is. Yeah. And to have a top-notch public radio station and a show like Santa Fe Radio Cafe and a host and producer like Mary Charlotte um, and the New Mexican Imposta Tiempo and Santa Fe Reporter and all of the small independent um, uh, magazines too, you know, The Magazine and um, Green Fire Times, etc. It's really phenomenal to know that we have a vibrant, uh, you know, it's phenomenal and it's phenomenally important. To have such a vibrant independent media here. Yep, it's, it feeds everything.
0: It feeds everything. It's, it's as we've talked about so many times in the years that I've been doing the show, and that so many others are talking about, like Amy Goodman. It is the stuff of democracy. It is that without which democracy doesn't function properly. You need not only independent media, you need local media. You need people talking to each other about what's going on in their cities and towns.
6: Yeah, and, you know, people, I think people are probably starting to shut down from the intensity of the national stories that are happening. And I hope that they don't just. You know, disappear into their living rooms and never. You know, I hope they still pay attention to all the local issues and yeah. and what's happening in with in their neighborhoods.
0: And you've got something amazing coming up at the Center for Contemporary Arts, the CCA, and that is a new director, the fabulous Stuart Ashman, is starting next month. I couldn't believe it when I heard that announcement that he was coming back from a very very distinguished career in the arts and cultural affairs government here in New Mexico to head the CCA.
6: It's it's really great. Uh, you know, Stuart one of the first things he did when he moved to town was work at the old Armory th- for, for the Arts. So he's been on that, you know, he's, he started his career on that campus. Right. And he's always been a huge friend of that campus and of CCA uh, when he was secretary of cultural affairs for Bill Richardson and he's and you know, he's there's people who I just, you know, Think the world of in this town, and you, of course, Mary Charlotte, are one of them, oh, and, thank you. and uh, Stuart's another. And it's just people who are, you know, there's a lot of people in this town who have chosen generosity and love and connection over the alternative, which, you know, approximately 42% of our country is now selecting. So, you uh, know,
0: this is, I, I was thinking one of the films that you had at the CCA was a Chilean film called No. N.O. And it was about the referendum in 1988 that unseated the brutal dictator Pinochet. And 43% of Chileans still voted for him. After all the violence, after all the disappearances, after the blood and gore and outright overt dictatorship,
6: yeah,
0: forty-three percent of the people still voted for him,
6: and and what swung the vote, of course, was independent media in the form of a really ingenious marketing campaign, and that's what the movie's about. Yeah, so um, can't forget that that you know whatever work that's happening in independent media all of the work that you've done i mean do you have, did you count up how many shows you've done over there no the <laughs> i
0: can't you should have your statistics oh lord a lot i yeah. mean thousands Ugh. thousands and thousands of interviews because some of the, the old ones are to the extent that they've survived at all are on cd in a box somewhere
6: right you have some that are Carved into stone, right? But
0: some are on stone tablets. But a lot of them are on but, you know, the archives, and we'll stay there, year, ladies and gentlemen.
6: Two hundred a year for thirteen years, roughly, right?
0: More than that, yeah.
6: So um, all of the the cumulative effect of all of the stories you've done, all of the good work KSFR has done, all of the work that Tiempo and the New Mexican and the Santa Fe Reporter have done. It's you know it adds up to having. People who think a little more deeply and people who, you know, um, are a little more open-minded and people who try new things. And and that's one of the glories of Santa Fe.
0: Jason Silverman is director of the Cinematheque at the CCA. Some of the best movies in the world are shown there. The CCA is on the web at ccasantafe.org. Jason adios we will all see each other again and ladies and gentlemen support your local independent cinemas
6: thank you mary charlotte for all that you've done for santa fe
0: and finally i'm so happy to welcome back to the radio cafe marcela diaz she's the executive director of somos un pueblo unido she is also host of a show called nuestra america here on ksfr welcome welcome Thank
7: you, Mary Charlotte. It's a bittersweet moment. I'm
0: so excited for you
7: and your future endeavors. And I know that uh, Santa Fe has been and will continue to be stronger because of your work in it. So it's a great privilege to be with
0: you today. Thank you. And I feel the same about you. And I've invited, as our listeners now know, people who've been on the show many times, and you've been on the show so many times. And I just wanted to thank you And thank all of the people who were working on behalf of immigrants in Santa Fe and immigrants in the state of New Mexico, because you have done such an incredible job bringing to light the lives of ordinary families who are working incredibly hard and who want to do things like eat, sleep in a safe place, drive their cars and get paid what they're owed get paid for they're the need. hours they've worked. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, non non rocket scientists, pretty humble, normal, American way kind of things and you and your many colleagues at Somos Un Pueblo Unido and their extended network have been making this happen in a way that is so powerful. And I just want to honor you for that. Thank you. I have the great privilege
7: of working with a statewide group of immigrant families who are tirelessly working and very valiantly, day in and day out, just doing the work, doing the everyday work um, to, to make New Mexico just stronger for their families, to protect their families, but really make New Mexico stronger for all of us, because we're all in it together. And we were just doing, um, we've been doing a lot of strategy meetings around the state, a lot of workshops. Uh, A lot of reflection now that we've sort of passed this huge driver's license phase Ongoing, our lives. It it gives us an opportunity to really um, go deeply back into the work that we have really, we've been really doing for 20 years, right? Which is strengthening our communities for our familias and our children and our future and everyone. And uh, in those reflections and in those workshops... Um, We talk about our work, but one of the things that we talk about a lot are the alliances that we're able to build and the power that we're able to build because of all of our friends and our allies. And so you are counted in that group. It's none of it is possible without uh, everyone chipping in and being a part of our movement.
0: What are the next steps for you guys now that we don't have to say the driver's license phrase anymore? (laughs)
7: Well, there are a lot of it's been, you know, we just ended our fiscal year. And so, you know, it's a lot of grant reporting where we can take stock and I have to actually write out all of the things that our members and allies have done in the last 12 months. And it's been pretty incredible. Um, but Obviously, we have to monitor the implementation of this driver's license law. The governor uh, and her administration has have overstepped its authority on many issues in relation to low-wage workers and immigrants and other issues in the state of New Mexico. And so we need to make sure that um, that doesn't happen in the implementation of our driver's license law. So we're certainly going to be working on that, not in that same intense way that we've been working legislatively for the last six years. Um, we are doing a lot of work around the state to support low-wage workers um, and to promote stronger wage enforcement policies at the city level and at the state level. Um, so you're going to be hearing a lot about that in the coming months. Um, we're also working uh, still on making sure that, um, you know, we, in August we have a, a big trial because we have sued along with MALDEF, the state of New Mexico, for stealing tax refunds from immigrant taxpayers. Um, we're the only state in the country that does that. And so our trial is set for August. We're doing a lot of work to promote low-wage worker rights. And something that our members are doing in concert with other communities. Uh, So, for instance, in Gallup, uh, Somos Gallup, made up of lots of immigrant families uh, who've been organizing there for the last six years, primarily around driver's licenses, are now working with uh, Native American advocates in McKinley County to uh, form a... Workers' Alliance, uh, Worker Advocacy Alliance, working to fight wage theft and promote low-wage worker rights in McKinley County, one of the poorest counties of our state, if not the poorest. So we're continuing to broaden our base of folks um, and people across the state to really, because we're not just immigrants, right? (laughs) Lots of low-wage workers are American citizens. That's right. And so we find that in a lot of our wage theft work and sexual harassment issues and all of the issues that we're dealing with at our worker center, uh, more and more non-immigrants and our co-workers are coming along with us um, to really fight for our rights and and to really to promote low-wage workers' rights and economic justice
0: in our community. So we got a lot happening. Marcela Diaz is the executive director of Somos Un Pueblo Unido, and the program Nuestra America airs on KSFR at 4.30 on Tuesday
7: afternoons, um, and we, we often have folks calling in from other parts of the country to talk about issues in relation to low-wage workers and Latinos and Mexicans and immigrant workers' rights. Um, But we also have a lot of folks from our community calling in from around the state or coming into our studio to talk about how not just how these issues affect them, but also what they're doing, Um, what they're doing on a daily basis to survive and to move our communities forward.
0: Right, a very proactive narrative that's going on. Marcella Diaz, thank you so much for being with us on the Radio Cafe.
7: Well, thank you, Mary Charlotte, for being a part of the KSFR family, public radio. Uh, Again, we look forward to hearing you in the future and continuing uh, our work with you uh, in the years to come.
0: And so, ladies and gentlemen, this is it. We have come to the end of the Santa Fe Radio Café here on KSFR. But I think the Radio Café is going to continue. You can always find me at radiocafe.org. You can write to me at mc at radiocafe.org. And please continue to support KSFR, this wonderful public radio station. It's been a true honor to be working here all these years. I will continue in my role as DJ Carlota on Saturday afternoons from 5 to 7. There's a bunch of different DJs who do that show, but it's a show of Latin music on Saturdays. And I will continue on that and will try to continue to serve this community in as many ways as I can Thank you so much for listening. Adios.